correct all the mistakes in children's church, so worked out really well today. Sunday school was Sunday school was came and gone. So um, James promised us to get out early today, and we got out two minutes late. So yeah, yeah, it's a perfect afternoon for a nap. Am I right? There we go. All God's people say. Uh, so I'll try to make this quick so you can get your nap at home and not here. Um, but not too quick because that's it's really good stuff today. We're looking at Adam and Eve, the story of Adam and Eve today. We'll look at Cain and Abel next week, um, but uh, Adam and Eve today. Let's look starting in verse number 18 of chapter 2, Genesis 2 and verse number 18. It says, And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him an help meet for him. And out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. And Adam gave names to all cattle, and to the fowl of the air, and to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found an help meet for him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman, and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, This now is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and mother, and cleave, shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. And they were both naked, and the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. We'll look at the story of Adam and Eve, this, this creation, but also into the, uh, the fall of man in chapter 3 as well before we head to the house this afternoon. Let's pray and ask for the Lord's help. God, thank you for letting us come today. And uh, Lord, I'm so thankful for your word and just the, uh, the instruction that it gives us. And so Lord, today may we be instructed and uh, may we receive something from you today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We've got five things here to look at in this story of Adam and Eve. And the first one is what was hit on in men's Sunday school this morning, but is the institution of marriage. And this is where God created marriage uh, with Adam and with Eve, even though there was no pastor to do the ceremony and there were no uh, flower girls or groomsmen or bridesmaids or pretty white dresses or uh, music or any of those kinds of things. Here we have the first marriage uh, in all of history and where God created it and instituted it. And it's important for a, a number of reasons uh, here. But let's start with this term, help me, uh, that we see twice here in this passage. The reason why Eve was created, why woman was created. The Bible says to be a helpmeet or companion or counterpart uh, here to Adam and the woman to man. Uh, we see it in a couple different places, right? Verse 18, uh, God says, I will make him a helpmeet. And then in verse number 20, it says that there was not found a helpmeet for him. So Adam, you remember, he was given the task to name all of the animals, which to me is still really intriguing because I'm kind of like, well, first of all, you know, Adam was created with language, I suppose, um, and, uh, and, and, and here he is. He's standing here and he's got all this creation around him. And God says, Adam, name the creatures. And so from the way I've always understood it is the creatures came walking by and Adam named them. 
right? I mean, that's basically it. It says there in verse number 19, um, halfway through, he brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them, uh, which is just, I don't know, it's just mind-blowing to me. Again, how do you come up with, with, with elephant? And how do you come up with giraffe? And how do you come up with lion? Uh, you know, was he lying? Uh, you know, there's all kinds of great, great dad jokes in here, but there's, but, but Adam wasn't a dad yet. So, so how was he coming up with these great names? And he named all the animals, and they came through. But in the process of this, the way that I read this, the way that I understand this is, is with the animals, there wasn't just one lion. There were at least two. There was not just one giraffe. There were at least two. And they're coming through, and Adam is naming these things, and, and I believe Adam noticed, but of course God knew, that there was no helpmeet, there was no counterpart, there was no companion for Adam. He could, uh, you know, play fetch with the animals, and, and I'll, listen, I'll, I enjoy my dogs to some degree, um, but they're not as fun companions as people. And uh, they create, uh, in lonely times, I've had pets that have been there for me. I know that sounds weird. I think many of you understand it. But there were times where, man, it was just a rough day or whatever. You sit down, the dog comes over and rubs against your leg and sits there and looks at you like, pet me, please. And, and it kind of makes you smile and brings some comfort to you. There, there is that in, in animals to some degree, but it's not the same as with people. And God looked down. He saw Adam was alone. He needed a helpmeet. He needed a companion. He needed a counterpart. And so God created Eve. He created woman. And, uh, you know, Pastor, I think it was Pastor, it was either Pastor Jim Shetler or Jeff Redland, one of the two from Pensacola, who, who had the, you know, Adam was naming all the creatures, and then here comes Eve, and he's like, whoa, man. And then you have woman. Uh, but uh, I don't think that's exactly how it worked. But nonetheless, uh, here there is woman and there is man. Why was it called woman? Because she was taken out of man. Verse 23 tells us that here. And, uh, and then there's, there's this institution of marriage. Now they are man and wife uh, as ordained by God. God ordains marriage. God instituted marriage. And God here performed the marriage, so to say, with Adam and with Eve. And in that came a purpose, verse 24, that the man, a man shall leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. It's there's marriage right there for you. Um, the, you can get into a lot of the leaving. What does that mean? I heard one preacher say that the man is supposed to move away from his family and closer to the wife's family. Because the, the woman, as the weaker vessel, as we're taught in Scripture, um, needs that support more than he does. Now, I don't think that's what this verse means. I don't think it's a bad concept, but I don't think that's what this verse means. But the idea is leaving father and mother, now you're going out of the house, and now you're creating your own home. And it's the man and the woman. One man, one woman, and as we always say, one lifetime, the way that, that the Bible intended it to be. And, and so you have this marriage that is established now. And it's interesting, in verse 25, uh, they were both naked, the man and his wife, and they were not ashamed. Now we know in just a moment we're going to see where they are ashamed. And the, everything in this moment, in chapter 2 that we read about, it goes right back to chapter 1 as, as covering the short version of creation, where God says He looked on it and it was good. Everything about it was good. Everything about it was perfect. There was no reason to be ashamed at this point. There was no sin on the earth at this moment. 
And so everything was perfect. There was no embarrassment. There was no shame. We know that marriage allows for things that, that non-marriage does not allow for. And so there was no shame involved here at this point. But then we transition into chapter 3. Uh, and by the way, in the institution of marriage, you leave, you cleave, and you should be unashamed. Uh, marriage provide, is, is from God. It's, it's made by God. And, and it's, it's, for, it's not just for your enjoyment. James was talking about this today, about worship and different things involved with it. But marriage is a wonderful thing, and it's, it's created by God. Uh, then into chapter 3, though, we see, so we see the institution of marriage. Secondly, we see the temptation that came in the first six verses. And we see here, it says in verse 1, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be open, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and the tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. So we see in this temptation a couple of things. First of all, we see the serpent coming, and we know the serpent to be Satan, and he comes... And he, he uh, how did he come? I don't know. This is interesting. This is a whole, whole other thing. We'll see in a little bit where Satan then is, uh, the serpent then, the snakes are then uh, part of the judgment is the crawling on their bellies. Were they already crawling on their bellies or was he walking? Is he tiptoeing? I don't know what was going on, but nonetheless, uh, sorry. Uh, and, uh, but, but he comes to Eve. And listen, I, I say this and I say this biblically, not, not derogatorily. Is that a word? Derogatory? negatively. Um, the woman is the weaker vessel. And that doesn't mean that she is less than or anything like that. But the way God created it was for the man to lead and the woman to follow. And, and in doing so, she is weaker in the sense that um, he is, they're built differently. Equal in God's eyes, but they're built differently. And, and so, so as the weaker vessel, the serpent comes to Eve versus coming to Adam. More than likely, Adam would have, would have said no. He would have gotten rid of the He would have said no to the snake, not no to Eve. We'll see that in a second. But nonetheless, the snake comes, the serpent comes to Eve, and he asks a question, right? Hath God said, ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And Eve says, no, he said uh, that we can eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, verse 2, verse 3, but the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. What did God actually say? Let's go back. Chapter 2, verse number 16. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day that, ye, that thou eatest, thereof thou shalt surely die. So Eve was close, right? She said, Neither shall ye touch it, in verse number 3 of chapter 3, which God at least from what we have recorded in Scripture, God did not say. Um, now, I think wisdom would tell you, if you're not supposed to eat it, you probably shouldn't touch it, right? Uh, with sin, there are things that God says don't do, 
And we say, well, I'm not going to do it, but I'm going to get awfully close to it. I'm going to inspect it. I'm going to check it out. Uh, I'm going to get as close to it as I can. Wisdom tells us, uh, godly wisdom tells us, if I'm not supposed to eat it, I probably shouldn't touch it. Because in life, if you're going to have things that God says don't do, and you're going to get as close as you can, you're going to eventually do. So the, the wise thing to do is to completely stay away from it. So what Eve said was wise, but according to what we have in Scripture, it was also incorrect. It's not what God said. I've heard a lot of preachers come in and talk about Satan misquoting God's word, twisting God's word, uh, those kinds of things, and Eve even uh, misunderstanding or, or misquoting or whatever it may be. And, and I see where you can get that from here. But at the end of the day, I, I think what she was saying, and honestly, maybe Adam told her. I, we don't know all the conversations that took place, right? Maybe Adam said, hey, don't touch it. Don't eat it, don't touch it. Because that would have been a wise thing for Adam to say. Uh, but either way, I, I don't blame Eve so much for her, her statement here. But for what it's worth, it is different than what God said. God said, don't eat it. Uh, when you do eat of it, you're going to die. You're going to surely die. She says, God said, you shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest ye die. Uh, so that's important to just kind of see there. But the temptation now is going after. We talked about this in uh, 1 John, I believe, with the lust of the eyes and the pride of life and the third one. Lust of the flesh. And, uh, and so we see here she's looking at it. It says in verse number 6 that when she saw that the tree was good for food and pleasant to the eyes. So again, it's this temptation that's growing. I don't think it was just a snap. I could be wrong, but I don't think it was just at a snap that it all happened. I think she sat there and looked at it and said, well, it really looks tasty. She'd had the other fruits in the, in the garden. Uh, and so, so she sees it. It looks pleasant. It looks good. Have you ever seen something? It happens more often in the grocery store where you see something and goes, man, that looks good. Should I buy that? You weren't planning on buying it. It wasn't on your list. You don't have a coupon for it. Uh, and you're sitting there going, but that looks really good. Should I get that? For me, it's usually donuts. Um, and I think, yes, my kids would love donuts if they ever made it home. Uh, and, uh, and so, you know, it looks good, okay. Uh, it looks like it would be very tasty. Uh, and, then, and then also what the serpent said, it will make you wise, which we'll look at here in just a moment. Uh, and so she says, all right, I'm going to eat of it. She eats the fruit, and she takes it to her husband and gives it to him. And we don't, again, we don't, we're not there for the whole conversation. We don't see the whole conversation. All we know is she gave it to her husband, and he ate it. And like I said, I don't think, and purely opinion, I don't think Adam eats it if the serpent comes to him and says the same thing to him that he said to Eve. Um, but the serpent we know to be wise also. And the serpent came to Eve, tempted her, she ate it, she took it to her husband, said, Adam, have this. Adam knew what he was doing. I, that much I can tell you. Adam, Adam knew what he was doing. And Adam ate of the fruit also. So then we see a realization hit now. The temptation, now we see the realization. Verse number 7, And the eyes of them both were open. Now they saw. And they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. Again, something I've always been curious about that I don't know the answer to. Like... <laughs> nothing changed on the appearance level of Adam and Eve. But when they ate the fruit, all of a sudden it was like, <gasps> you know, like what? What happened? I don't know. But I know this much. They immediately knew that something was wrong. They knew that something was wrong, that they needed to be covered up. 
So they went out and they got fig leaves and they made uh, a covering, clothes for them to wear and they put them on, a covering for them. And we see in verse number 8, And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden of the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, this is God speaking to Adam, Who told thee that thou wast naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? Now remember, God's asking a question he already knows the answer to. You can't hide from God. Adam here, realizing he was wrong, two things happened. One, he became ashamed immediately and covered himself and covered his wife. Then two, he hid himself from God because he was ashamed. And he's hiding there, and God is calling for him. And Adam comes and he says, I've been hiding. God said, where were you? He said, I've been hiding because I'm ashamed. And God says, well, how did you know to be ashamed? Did you eat of the fruit that I told you not to eat of? Again, God knowing the answer. But look here uh, at the excuses. We see the temptation. We see the realization. Now we see the excuses. Adam says, and the man said, The woman, he's not blaming the woman here, whom thou gavest to be with me, gave me of the tree and I did eat. He didn't blame Eve. He blamed God. God says, did you eat of the fruit? And he doesn't say, yes, God, I did. He says, the woman that you gave to me. Right now, I blame my in-laws for things throughout these last 16 years. That daughter of yours, and usually they go, yeah, we know, we knew that when we gave her to you. And my wife has blamed my parents many a times, by the way, as well. But uh, nonetheless, we sit here and we see Adam make excuses. You gave me her. She gave me the fruit. So since you gave me her, she gave me the fruit. I ate it. That's his excuse. The Lord God said unto the woman, What is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, The serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. So she puts the blame onto the serpent. And we see uh, nothing's changed, right? Aren't we the same? Well, he just have all these excuses. God walking around on a Sunday morning. Hey, where are you at? Um, hiding under the blankets, Lord. Why? Because last night I stayed up too late. Yeah, we have an excuse. Well, it was a hard week at work. Have an excuse. Right? God at a gas station, put somebody beside you that he wants you to talk to, share the gospel with, or pass a track to, and that person drives off, and God goes, well, where, where were you? Uh, I was uh, having problems with my gas cap, Lord. No, we're just ignoring God. We're hiding from God. We're... We know that, and, and, and right, we know when we've done wrong. It's not a surprise to us. We know we've done wrong, and, 
And we had the option, we talked about a lot about going to God for forgiveness or, or kind of carrying that weight around for a while until we finally realized it's just better for me to go to God for forgiveness. And Adam and Eve here were ashamed. And this is the first time they've ever been ashamed. It's funny how we like to just dump out all this blame on Adam and Eve, but all it is is an excuse for us, right? We say, oh, I mean, we do this with everybody in the Bible. Doubting Thomas. Oh, Thomas, what a doubter. Couldn't believe he did such a thing. Let's look at your own life. <laughs> You're not much better, if any better. I think Thomas was probably a more faithful person than I am. Adam and Eve here were ashamed for the first time ever. And their first, their first reaction was, I would guess, the same reaction all of us would have had. And then God confronts them and they have excuses. But listen, your excuse, no matter how good it is, it doesn't change the fact that it's disobedience. I ask people, I said, give me a reason, not an excuse. If you have a good reason, that's one thing. But an excuse is a whole other thing. And when it comes to sin, we don't have a reason to sin. We just make up excuses. So what's the result? What happened as a result of this sin that took place? God said, if you eat of it, you'll surely die. So what happened? Verse 14, the Lord God said unto the serpent, he starts with him. Nobody here escapes their wrongdoing. The serpent was wrong in tempting Eve. Eve was wrong in eating. Adam was wrong in eating. All three of them get, get addressed here. The Lord God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle and above every beast of the field. Upon thy belly thou shalt, go, uh, shalt thou go, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of the life. Again, my question is, is how was he getting around before? I'm intrigued by this, but I don't have the answer for it. Um, verse 15, And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed, and it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. And so we see just this uh, look ahead to what's going to happen with Satan, to the, uh, the constant battle that's going to go on. This is, this is more with Satan than it is with snakes. Right, we go. Oh, he cursed the snakes, and now they got to crawl on their bellies. And uh, this is this is a much bigger thing than snakes. But nonetheless, uh, we see the result of it. Verse sixteen: The woman, he said unto the woman, he said, "I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. And sorrow thou shalt bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee." Um, it's it, I hate to use the word curse, but it's what it is. Here and we see where the the woman now her place in in the order of society is is very clearly put here, um, where she is uh, going to be submissive to her husband. Um, I don't like to say it this way, so I'm going to say it, but try to think through it with me, if you would. Her inability inability to say no to the serpent. Her inability to, to reject that offer, the, the result then is now to have someone over her that can help her with those decisions. Um, I, don't, I don't want this to come across as belittling women. It's not. It's important, though, when we look at Ephesians and we look at the role of the family and we see where the, the, the husband is told to love his wife as Christ loved the church, and the wife is told to be submissive to her husband. There are some people who will look at that and go, well, he's not my boss. 
Okay, biblically speaking, God has placed him in your home to be a help to you as you, the wife, are a help to him. Um, it's not like a boss in an employee situation where she is, you, you only tell her what to do and she doesn't have any input. That's not the way it works. But it is an understanding that God has, if, if he's done so, God has given you a husband that is going to, he's giving, giving special wisdom to your husband. And your husband's not always right and your husband doesn't always do the right thing. Uh, but you are told by God that your position in the home is to be submissive to your husband. You're still that helpmeet. You're still that companion. You're still that counterpart that is there and in a very important role. You're a very wise person and you need to input your wisdom and help. But ultimately, you are to be submissive to your husband. And we see it here in Genesis and we see it in the New Testament and Ephesians as well. But we see here that the woman, he says, you're going to greatly multiply your sorrows. Um, and sorrow you will bring forth children. Um, I've never given birth to a child, but my understanding is it's, it's, it's a very painful experience um, unless you get the right kind of drugs. But uh, um, then it's a very forgettable experience. But um, uh, I don't know if that's true either. Sorry, I don't mean to minimize that. Ladies, you do a wonderful job. Keep up the good work. Um, <laughs> get that shovel out. Uh, anyways, you see here... There's the curse of the woman. Then the curse of the man, verse 17. Unto Adam he said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast uh, eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it. Curse is the ground for thy sake, and sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns and thistles shalt bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread till thou return unto the ground. See, eating bread's biblical. Get off me. Um, for, for out of it wast thou taken, for dust thou art, and unto dust shalt thou return. There's the first really inkling back to death since the warning in, in chapter 2 here where he says you're going to return to the dust that I made you out of. Uh, so there, there's kind of, as we're talking about this curse, and we'll talk about this more in just a second. But, um, and so we see the curse that's on man now. The, the work, the labor that's going to be involved, the sweat, um, the, the, the non-easy life. The easy life's over with. The easy life was being in the Garden of Eden, eating the fruit that God provided for you, naming the animals, um, and, and being with your wife. That was, that's the easy life. He said that's, that's now gone with. Verse number um, 20. Uh, it says, And Adam called his wife's name Eve, because she was the mother of all living things. And unto Adam also, and to his wife, did the Lord God make coats of skin and clothe them. This is the first picture we see of, of restoration, of God's care, even after a sin. Um, God said, The fig leaves that you're wearing, uh, let me make something better for you. Now, we can go back and look at the fact, well, if he had the coats of skin, then that means something had to die. And we know that the blood is the symbol of Christ. The blood of the sacrifice is the symbol of Christ's death on the cross. And all that's important. I don't mean to just skip past that. But nonetheless, we see God providing that covering now for Adam and for Eve. And again, it's interesting. I met a person, I'd never heard this before, but I met a person who told me, he said, everything in Genesis, it's just a story. He said, it's just a picture. None of it actually happened. I was like, what? what? He's a Christian, so-called, and all these kind of things. So I'm like, 
Well, I've never heard that from anybody before. Um, but why did Adam call his wife Eve? Because she is the mother of all living things. There were no other, no other people at the time. It was just Adam and Eve. And people say, well, that means that Adam's son and daughter and all this kind of stuff. Yes, and as you, we can, that's a whole other study, but as you get on through, through life and things have changed over time where the effects of that now are a problem back then it wasn't but we'll get to all that that's a whole nother whole nother thing sorry to even bring it up to start having questions asked but um so we see the the result then of the sin and then look at verse 22 and the lord god said behold the man has become as one of us to know good and evil and now lest he put forth his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever therefore the lord god sent him forth from the garden of eden till uh, to till the ground from whence he was taken so he drove out the man and placed it uh, in the east of the garden of Eden cherubims and a flaming sword which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. Now this is interesting, at least I think. Maybe you do, maybe you don't. But we see that in, in chapter 2, verse 17, God promised if you eat of the tree, you'll surely die. Which means up until that moment, Adam and Eve, the, their life was going to be eternal. And then they ate of the fruit. So now it's going to change. Now God says there's this tree in the garden, the tree of life. And verse 22, if they eat it, they'll live forever. So I'm going to kick them out of the garden. Why? Because I said they can't live forever now because they ate of the fruit. Now that's where the death comes in. It wasn't that they dropped dead, right? I mean, we know that from just the story itself. Adam and Eve keep living. Um, it is now that the, 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 there is now a lifespan on Adam and Eve and on all of humanity that was not there before the sin, before the fall, before the eating of the fruit. And so he kicks them out of the garden and he places guards, the cherubims and the flaming sword turning every which way to protect, to guard the tree of life. Um, I probably should know this and I don't, but I'm going to tell it to you anyway because it's the way my mind works. I always think, I thought this when I learned about this as a kid, I always think, is there still somewhere in this world cherubims and a flaming sword guarding a tree of life? Anybody know the answer to that question? Destroyed in the flood? All right, there you go. That's what common sense would say. So, I don't know. It's something that I've always thought, though, as a kid, when I first heard the story, I was like, wait a minute, so you're telling me I can go somewhere in the world right now and come up on a flaming sword in front of a tree. Like, that would be pretty cool. Um, but nonetheless. Um, so there you go. Adam and Eve, uh, the institution of marriage, the, uh, the initial sin on earth. We know, of course, Satan had his pride and his fall from heaven. Uh, the initial sin on earth, which ultimately the Bible teaches us passed on sin to the rest of us. Uh, we're all sinners now. We're born that way. And uh, we are in need of a covering. We're in need of Jesus. And, and we see the first picture of that here through Adam and Eve uh, here as well. We're going to look at Cain and Abel next week. Brothers with a little bit of a problem. And uh, we'll, look, we'll look at uh, how that goes and uh, continue our march through the Bible and stories I heard as a child. Lord, thank you for your love for us. Uh, thank you for your willingness to forgive and to restore. And uh, Lord, I just pray that we would take advantage of what you offer us. Lord, may we be wise to listen to your counsel and to obey what you tell us to do. Uh, Lord, that we would not have to suffer the consequences of sin, uh, Lord, just through our obedience. 
So help us, help us to walk the way that we should walk this week. Lord, provide for the needs that we have. I do pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Wednesday night we'll be back at 7 o'clock. Uh, if you can be here, we'd sure love to have you. We're continuing through Psalms and uh, looking forward to that. And we'll have a new prayer list for you on Wednesday as well. There are some new bulletins. I ran out of paper, so there's only a couple. Um, but feel free to grab one of those. I'll try to bring more on Wednesday night as well. Um, nothing else going on, I don't think, this weekend. One birthday, Gabe's birthday is this week on the 4th. Um, so we'll wish Gabe a happy birthday uh, there as well. If you need anything, please let us know. I sure appreciate you. Lord bless you. Let's be dismissed.